the consortium was founded in 1996 in Italy when I was living in Rome. And I was traveling a lot as a freelance singer, so many of my colleagues were coming in from the north, northern Italy. And uh, at one point we decided to accept management for the concerts that we were doing and recordings and whatnot. And this manager in Verona was also working for uh, Kenny Wheeler. I had a chance to talk a little bit indirectly with Kenny. I never met him, but we did talk via email and whatnot about the uh, common thread that we both felt existed between the early Baroque and jazz as we know it today. And um, he uh, was excited. He, he did compose a couple pieces for Consortium that we've never had a chance to do. It would be fun to do them. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, it would be really cool. Mm-hmm. And you're speaking of Kenny Wheeler, the Canadian trumpeter. Yeah. I mean, Kenny Wheeler is one of my all-time favorite yeah. trumpeters. I mean, mm-hmm. what, a, what a mind, Absolutely. really. Just a, 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 one of the most melodic Yeah. Soloists um, and a nice yeah. guy, and a nice guy, just I a can great imagine. guy. Imagine, wow. So, at any rate, that's where um, the curiosity continued on my part, looking at a project, and then coming to the states in 2005 when I set up shop for the consortium here. The music of Carissimi continued to um, interest me. The repertory music that we hadn't been able to do with larger ensembles I was hoping to do here, and we've been fortunate now in our 13th season to um, to do the larger works. And that's where I've had the opportunity to work with Jeremy's brother, Tom, who's a f- phenomenal um, lutenist, mm-hmm. and he has the Baroque theorbos and the arch lutes and the lutes and the guitars and Anything that you can pluck, I think Tom <laughs> has. <laughs> <laughs> or can borrow anyway. It borrowed, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So the common thread really was the um, uh, this bass line that we both live on in, the, in these worlds of early Baroque, which is a very transparent composition of allowing performers to do things based on a very basic structure of... Uh, harmonies, texts, colors, and uh, that is pretty much the, uh, the structure that I see happening with the music that Jeremy's been composing for us. Mm. Jeremy, talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, when Garrick approached me to, to work on this idea, um, well, well, I should go back. Um, it, it's sort of my fault, that, or that I don't want, not in a bad way, but that Tom got into early music. I was studying in in, um, <laughs> in uh, college um, at Normandale Community in Bloomington, uh, of all places for this to start. But um, a great teacher named Dr. Doctor, um, Dr. Pete Doctor, which is a cool name. Yeah. Um, he started us at the beginning, so you know, Jascan Dupre and Ars Nueva and into Palestrina. And I brought these tapes home. He made us tapes, and I played them for my brother, who was a, into jazz and fingerstyle guitar at that point. I said, hey, check this out. And he flipped for it. Um, mm. I, I was very interested in it, but it, I didn't go that direction. I was thoroughly into jazz at that point. But I was familiar with sort of the ground-up concept of composition. And, and I knew, especially in the early Baroque, that guys, people still improvised. Yes. Um, and of course, classical was 
all the way into late romantic was filled with great improvisers, but we've sort of lost sight of that, I think, now. Um, but those two, that early knowledge of this this music, coupled with my brother being in the world, kind of brought this to light. And I'm always looking for a chance to expand my understanding of composing. And so anytime I have to set voice, especially, or deal with different instruments or um the biggest challenge is balance, um, mm-hmm. volume. You know, a grand piano over, will drown out a lute without sure. any trouble. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then you add drums. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always interested in that challenge and a way to expand the forms I work in. Um, I wasn't sure I could do it, but this three, four years ago was when I started writing. And, you know, it worked so mm-hmm. far. <laughs> and there's a new there's a new piece for for this performance, and I think it's probably more successful than the other ones, which is great because it means I learned something. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the piece and what the performance will look like then. My trio is is sort of the root of of my part of the ensemble. It's me and piano, and Jeff Brisky is playing bass, and Tim Zorney on drums. Um, from there, the rest is all Carissa me. I know my brother Tom broke guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, go, well, go ahead, Gary. Sure, <laughs> you know? we have we have a nice lineup of singers as usual. We have phenomenal singing voices, and uh, then the the band underneath all those voices will be with Tom, Donald Livingston, harpsichord, Bruce Jacobs on organ, um, Sarah Thompson, I believe, on bass, viol, Julie Eldhart on violone, and also uh, viola viola de bass. Where did the text come from, Jeremy? Talk to me about some of those things and um, what it was like writing for instruments like, you know, bass viol and stuff. Sure. <laughs> um, well, Garrick sent me all the test, text from, uh, he'll correct me, I'm sure, but Giambattista Marino. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Uh, Italian poet. Um, a few of the pieces I did set translations in English. I didn't translate them. I mean, they were... <laughs> I don't speak Italian. Um, the rest I said Italian. You don't? I, I don't. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, you know, going back to a kid, I, I always had an affinity for accents and, and I guess mimicry. And and that really helped me through because I, I did, Garrick sent me um, recordings of him reading the, the poetry and oh, nice. that gave me the rhythm of it. Um, at f- the last few years ago writing it, I really had to review it a lot to the point where apparently I was saying Italian phrases in my sleep. <laughs> um, but this time it came a little easier, and once you get the rhythm of it. Um, yeah. And, of course, I had the translation, so I didn't know what it was about. It wasn't completely uh, blind, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you wouldn't mind going into a little bit more detail, I think, jazz listeners, and I'm sure probably uh, several of them are familiar with how that works in the classical era as well, but talk a little bit more about the importance of the bass line in the Baroque era, because it's, I think, a little more transparent in jazz these days. You know, it was a, it was a novelty when that all started in around the 1600s and with the early Baroque composers like Monteverdi, of whom we're singing an awful lot of his madrigals based on text of G.B. Marino, and that's the common thread also that Jeremy's composing new madrigals with the same poet in mind. The, the, 
the radical switch going from the late Renaissance into the early Baroque was this bass line. Composers began to start adding this line beneath polyphony, and that, that caused a lot of controversy, a lot of ill will and <laughs> heresy almost. <laughs> what, yeah. what is this? <laughs> and it basically was a, 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 a ground, ground base that allowed the colors to fly on top of it with texts and its instruments and lots of transparency for improvisation. And the only thing that this bass line did is give it a, a, a bass note and a few numbers perhaps written on the top and maybe a, a sharp or a flat to indicate whether the, it needed to be um, major or minor, something like that. But for the most part, it, it caught like fire and it was both widely brought into secular composition like these madrigals but also into the church mm -hmm. Monteverdi of course and many other composers began to write sacred music with the same style so you can imagine here we have the same same level of composition going in both directions and that's that's kind of cool yeah. that doesn't happen much today <laughs> 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 Well, the show is on is on Mother's Day weekend. That's an important thing to know. Yeah. At, <laughs> on Saturday at 7.30, on Sunday at 3, at the old St. Paul's on the Hill Church in off of Summit, which is now um, the concert venue for the St. Paul Conservatory. So we're really happy to be there. It's a wonderful place, very informal. It will be audience seated around the musicians, and so we are hoping to wrap this music around everybody mm -hmm. in those occasions nice yeah i would say that you know it's a it's a it's a fascinating dialogue um and it's not as unfamiliar the comment i heard from people last time is it was not as unfamiliar as they expected i mean when you think about a ground bass in a jazz context um, it, bass players improvise more but if you think about an ostinato mm -hmm. a night in tunisia or guys will play it on you know invitation mm -hmm. uh, any kind of repeating bass pattern uh, it gives music a lot of propulsion uh, mm -hmm. and excitement and I think that maybe is the common it's one of the common threads and it's 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 pretty easy to see how they or hear rather how they go together um, it's really quite natural 